0: Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Welcome to a special episode of the Mo Show Podcast. We are here in the beautiful city of Riyadh. I got to thank um, Al-Bustan Village, uh, part of the Al-Ulayyan group for letting us shoot here. Uh, this is one of the gardens within the compound. It's called the Sunken Garden. And if you're asking why that is, it's because it's a few meters below the ground level, hence sunken. Alia Serafi, thank you so much for ah, hello, coming sahna. and agreeing to do thank this. Thank you
1: for having me. Welcome to Riyadh
0: is all mine. I was very lucky to meet uh, Alia uh, in Al-Ula three weeks ago, actually. We were invited by uh, this event called Wadi Ashar. I believe it's under the RCU. They and flew us the out Ministry there. the Ministry of
1: Culture, I think. Culture. Was
0: it Ministry of Culture as well? I
1: think they worked together yeah, to
0: yeah. bring it up. yeah. It's kind of like, yeah, b- both of them yeah. in tandem. Uh, they really made us feel like uh, celebrities. Um, <laughs> they did. We were there for two two nights alia was chosen to moderate a panel i was also chosen to be one of the moderators alia went first 9 30 or 10 a.m you know there's always a bit of pressure on the person that goes first alia went first if i can just if you can just allow me to tell the story sure and within the first two or three minutes of her moderating i'm like she's a pro where did they like how, does she have her own show is she from NBC? is she from one of those networks you were so articulate. You did not say, uh, uh, you know, th- th- none of that. I mean, the enunciation was perfect. You handled the panel perfectly. You know when you knew when to talk. You knew when not to talk. You knew how to equally distribute the conversation among, amongst the three to the, I mean, I can keep going. But at the end of it, when I saw you, I was like, I have to go up. And I don't, I'm not normally that forward, by the way. I don't just approach people.
1: I really appreciate it.
0: Do you remember that? I, I remember I like, it. Who remember are you? I remember you
1: coming towards me. I'm like, oh, that's Maul from the Moshe. Coming towards
2: how me. How funny.
1: And then uh, I was really surprised, honestly. I really appreciated. You know, a lot of people don't or underestimate how much it matters to tell someone else Kilma halwa, or, Kilma and um, I never underestimate that. And I really appreciate it. it. really meant a lot. Thank you.
0: What was most surprising to me is finding out that it was the first time you moderated. Uh, and you told me that you are used to being a panelist, but not a moderator.
1: So, yeah, I've done panels before. And um, I usually, you know, when you're doing a panel, you go as a subject matter expert. So you go and you talk about things you already know. Um, but when I, I was asked to moderate, I was like, all right, I'll give it a try. And honestly, I have a newfound respect for people who do this because it's not as easy as it looks. And it takes more work than it does to be a panelist or to be, you know, the person who's answering the questions. It's it takes a lot of uh, uh you have to be present in the moment and you have to be aware of everything that's being said. You have to listen actively. And um yeah, I, I It was a nice experience.
0: So they reached out to you out of the blue saying, "No, you have Uh, a good voice, we'd like you on.
1: So their um, content curator um, actually had submitted my application or my profile to the RCU and to the Ministry of Culture. And I didn't know about it until after they had invited me, accepted me and invited me to be a moderator. So I found out that I was going to be a moderator after they already made the decision. And they'd never seen me moderate. I'm not sure what, based on what they chose me to moderate, but I was very happy to have been chosen. It was, you know, an amazing experience. Not just the, the sessions themselves. The RCU put together an amazing itinerary. There was activities. There. We, we really got to explore al And it was my second time there. And um, every time I go, it just gets better and better. And I really enjoyed it.
0: Something about that place, honestly, and and I don't care how sick and tired people are of hearing me talk about it, but something about Al-Ula is magical. The energy is different. If you don't feel it, you're not human. I agree. I'd go up once a month if I could. Bar summer.
1: I would live there. (laughs) (laughs) It really You feel it, huh? I do, because when you're there, the air is different, and life is slow, and I think we're so used to being on the go and the traffic in Riyadh can get a bit. Uh, it's a
0: contrast from our cities.
1: Yeah, it, yeah, it really is. Sometimes you need to slow down. And
0: yeah. it does that. It humbles you. It does. You feel tiny amongst you these mountains.
1: Contemplate about your place in the world and how small you are. Yeah,
0: and how little you matter.
1: How little you matter. Little
0: you matter. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, ego is really just detrimental it's, to humanity. You
1: know, I said that when I was there. I was I was with a friend and we were walking through the mountains and um i said this is great for the ego
0: great for the you
1: great for the ego. Yeah. Yeah. Lams it shut.
0: totally totally there's a question that i like asking just because i, I feel that the system needs a, a, a massive revamp mm. uh is there a subject that you feel that you wish that you were taught in school that until today is not taught in in, in school
1: I'm not sure if I would call it a subject, but I think what's missing is guiding kids to understanding what they're good at. You know, My own experience is, when I graduated high school, um, I'd been accepted into the University of Concordia, Concordia University in Montreal, in Canada. And I was going to study political science. And And the reason I I decided to apply for political science is because I've always been interested in world affairs and um, I would keep up with, you know, elections and that sort of thing. So I thought, okay, I'll study political science. Um, And I was ready to go on that track. And then at one point when I was about to go to Canada, my mother kind of backtracked and she's like, it's too far away why don't you try to go to the UAE, Sharqa? And in the beginning, I was like, no way. I'm not going to go there. I'm going to go to Montreal. Me and my, my best friend were going to actually live in the same apartment and we were going to have that entire experience together. And she kind of, under duress, made me go to the UAE to apply to Sharqa University. And um, when we went there, we were literally looking at a list of majors. And I was, you know, in protest. I was like, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to come here. You didn't like anything on the list? Nothing. And we went through the list, and she was like, hmm, health service administration. That sounds promising. <laughs> Obviously, because she's a doctor. You know, she wanted me to have a, a stable future. And she thought that that would bring stability. And I was, I agreed because I thought, I'm just going to be here for one year. I deferred my acceptance in Concordia for one year and I decided that I'm going to stay here for one year in the UAE and then I'm going to go to Canada. So I agreed to do health service administration. Little did I know that the foundation year of health service administration was the same foundation year of medical students because it was in the medical college. Okay. So I was studying physics, chemistry, Anatomy, things I—I I would not say dislike. I actually like them, but I have difficulty in comprehending. it Does not come naturally to me at all. And
0: across the board,
1: maybe, or in
0: subject-specific things. In sub,
1: in, no, I—I I mean, I understand chemistry in general, and I understand biology in general, but when I go into the details. I lose interest for some reason. Is it an
0: ADD or ADHD thing? It because might you strike be. me as a smart person.
1: It might be, honestly. I don't know. So
0: if you're not if you don't share interest in what it is you're doing, you will switch off. Yes. But don't talk about it like there's something wrong with that.
1: Yeah, I don't see it as something wrong. I just see it as something I don't like doing. I really did you not. You wish like. that you
0: can be interested in something that you're not interested in.
1: One of the most fascinating things in life is math and I'm fascinated by mathematicians.
0: Can I guess when you checked out of math? Because
2: I was I'm never seeing some similarities math.
0: between me and you in terms of um, how we feel about school, not being in school, not being able to concentrate on stuff that mm-hmm. you need to concentrate on unless there's a, you know, an, an interest in it. Can I guess that you checked out of math in terms of screw this when letters entered the equation? When they put a letter no, next actually, to a number,
1: actually before that, because if you remember, before that, in my in my kindergarten report card, the teacher wrote, "Alia does very well at learning new songs and music, but she needs to work on her math." So I'd I'd never been good at math. That was in kindergarten when I before I even went into school, and I never looked at it as something negative. The, it was very um, it wasn't negative or positive for me. It was who I am. And when I was in that foundation year at university, I was doing very badly. I, my GPA was abysmal. And, um, I, the first semester, I got a warning. Second semester, I got a warning, but I was making friends and I made a lot of friends that actually made me decide not to leave dubai cuz dubai 2011 was actually pretty fun it was. i found out and it's changed a lot it has it has changed now and back then it was kind of like a village especially for saudi students we were all we were like less than 300 saudi students i think in the in the uae
0: it was the perfect middle ground it was yeah. it
1: really was perfect and you could come home every weekend it was really fun so i ended up really loving the uae but hating what I was studying. Hating it because I wasn't doing well at it.
0: Ma- major was? Health Service, Health Administration. Service Administration.
1: So um, basically business for hospitals. Uh, so I,
0: I, I don't even like the undertone of I that major. Off. Like hospitals should not be a business.
1: I agree. No. I think it's not business. It's more ma- managerial. It's more about how to manage. Yes. So I decided I did not tell my parents, but I decided that I would change my majors. I wanted to stay in the UAE. So I again went to that list, was looking at the list, saw "Hmm, marketing in the business college. That sounds interesting. I really didn't know much about marketing, honestly, at that time, but I thought it would be fun. And that's the reason I switched to marketing. I had watched Mad Men. I thought that was what it was gonna be. <laughs> so I switched to the, to the business college and the first year in, in the business college is again a foundation year. So you have general topics like finance, statistics, math, um, accounting one, accounting two. But the thing is you could play around with the courses that you take. So in my first semester when I switched, I did not take any of those foundational courses because I knew they would not really interest me. And I took core marketing subjects only. I took like branding, I took strategic marketing, I took ethics, I remember. Organizational behavior. organizational behavior. Um, and one of the one of the topics that I took was strategic marketing and i remember that when i registered for the course and i went to the first day of class some of my classmates were talking about how difficult the subject is and it's really hard and it's the hardest subject in marketing and i was like what did i do i have no idea i don't know anything about marketing why would i this is a a junior course you take it when you're about to graduate i took it in my freshman semester sure. and the marketing department
0: you were a sitting duck
1: yeah i would go to class every day and i would sit in front and i would listen because i'm an audio i'm an audible learner for me to understand something i have to hear it. so i would sit in front of the professor and i would listen and i'd really pay attention and then when i'd leave class i would not open the textbook at all And we were coming up to the midterm and I remember before the midterm the professor was giving us some pointers about how it's going to be really difficult and that he expects no one to get a full mark. So I was like, okay, there's no pressure. I'm going to be fine. And um, the day of the midterm I did not study. For some reason I don't know how to study. But I went through the slides, I read all the, you know, headlines, major points. I
0: totally get that. I don't know how to study. Yeah, I I
1: don't. That hit home with me. Yeah, I don't know how to study, actually. Um, I, I know how to comprehend and understand, but for me to sit down and actually study a topic, with it's a really highlighter difficult.
0: in hand, like, just get out of here.
1: I've never done that, actually.
0: Yeah, it's just too much on the soul.
1: So that's why I was in class every day, front row, and listening. Because I, I wanted to learn the topic. Got it. And I wanted to do well. So I go into the exam, and it's essay questions, because it's, it's marketing, or it's usually essay questions. So I start writing. And I'm one of the first people to finish, and I hand in my exam, and I leave. And the next class, the professor starts the class with a speech. He goes, I know I told you all that no one was going to get a full mark. There's one person who's proved me wrong.
0: Stop it. Don't go there.
1: And D- tell me, I got a full mark no. on that exam. No. And I remember he made the entire class clap for me. Wow. And that was the first time in my life I get a full mark on anything. In my life.
0: how do you sleep that night?
1: I felt like messy. <laughs> I really did. I'd never. I'm sure. And you know what? That was a breakthrough for me. Because that was the first time in my life where I understood something about my mind. And I understood that I do very well with abstract concepts. And I understand things conceptually and strategic marketing is all conceptual
2: and moving forward i did very well uh i did um i
1: got a's and b's in all of the marketing subjects where i was getting c's and d's in the health service administration subjects and i majored in marketing and i minored in public administration and political science uh and that was again something that i did very well at because that's conceptual as well it's about how to govern public entities and manage governments so it was very you had to think very strategically and i i loved it uh and i left all the finance and accounting subjects to the <laughs> to the end i took accounting in a in a summer course And summer courses are really condensed. You have three-hour classes. And luckily and unluckily, I took accounting with the dean of the accounting department, the head of the department. And he had a photographic memory. So (laughs) he would spot everyone once and learn their names on the spot. Mm. So again, what I did was, I used to sit in front every day and I got a B. So I was, I was really proud it's of it. It's tricky accounting. It's, yeah. It is, but I, I really paid attention. And I think that, you know, now that I think about it, I might have ADD because I think I lose it when I stop paying attention. Yeah.
0: Moving on to your career. After university, you said to come back home.
1: Not, um, directly. I did a internship, um, at a nonprofit called Young Arab Leaders in Dubai. And it was an entrepreneurship, um, organiza- an entrepreneurship nonprofit that supported, um, small businesses and entrepreneurs. I gained a lot of experience and I, and because it was a nonprofit and it was very small, I was able to do a lot of things. So I would go to networking events in representing the organization. Um, so I, I was exposed to different business leaders and I was you know, very young at that time. I was 22. I wanted to not have any gaps in my resume. And I applied everywhere. I, I don't even remember how many times i sent in my resume i went to job fairs i went everywhere and um i got two opportunities at the same time i was two interviews at the same time i was contacted by a company called kidding
2: it was a startup
1: i think
0: yeah i would imagine people know i think who.
1: people know it by now but then it was not that famous and i was also interviewing for the Saudi Arabian Embassy in Washington, D.C. Like I mentioned, I had majored in marketing and I had minored in public administration. And in my mind then, I wanted to go into the field of public service, either through the Saudi Embassy or through the United Nations or any other international organization. And I, I really cared, and I still care about those type of um organizations. I think they do a lot of important work in the world. And I'd gone through the UN um, examination process. I hadn't went through, I was not selected. I got an opportunity to be a contractor in the Saudi embassy in Washington, D.C. as an entry-level position, very junior role. But for me, it was so exciting. I was like, yes, this is my future. This is what I'm going to do. This is where I'm going to go. This was in 2016. You got the offer. No, I was in the process of interviewing. In the process. And at the same time, simultaneously, I was also interviewing for Kirim. I am not exaggerating when I tell you that the process for the Kirim role was 10 times more difficult than (laughs) the Saudi embassy. Because they put me through four interviews. They put me through a case study. And they put me through a personality test. And that was for a junior role. Kareem? Kareem.
0: Would have thought.
1: Um, And I thought, wow, they really care about the people they're bringing into this organization. It's telling. It's telling. It was very indicating their level of detail Mm. into the culture of the organization. And I was still waiting to hear back from the Washington
2: uh, embassy. um, And I got the offer from Kareem. So I was like, you know what? Alia? Do it.
1: I was not planning to go into marketing, but I started at Kareem as a marketing associate, junior marketing associate in the eastern province of Saudi Arabia. And Kareem back then had offices everywhere. Everywhere. Mina. In Mina. But in Saudi, they had an office in every city. Um, <laughs> They probably do right now. They might actually. I'll ask. (laughs) So yeah, so I took the job with Kareem as a junior uh, marketing associate. And initially my job was to manage the Eastern Province and was to work with the Eastern Province team. Within one month, there had been changes in the organization and my role had changed completely. And my job now was to manage the branding um, work with the branding team in KSA. We were three people on the branding team then, and they had, we had different departments. So you had acquisition, customer acquisition, customer engagement, um, customer retention, and branding. Um, and then you also had the regional teams who were going to still focus on the the region that they're in. And we had a really big team. We were over 20 people. Wow. We were all kids. You know some of my colleagues were full-time university students and full-time Karim employees. And that's the beauty of a startup really gives you
2: the uh, the room or
1: or to,
0: to to grow the flexibility. The flexibility. Yeah.
1: To do two things at the same time. They were studying full-time and also working full-time. And we were all I don't think any of us was above 30 years old all of us were under 30 in the marketing department I would say.
0: and just from the same gen same, same mindset
1: yeah. yeah and um and kareem was very interesting because in kareem you had to
2: really own your own campaigns and your own work you could go on and not do
1: anything and no one would know because everyone else was too busy doing their own work. But if you wanted to do any work, you would have to figure out how to do it to yourself. There was no one there to teach you how to create a campaign or how to um, launch a, a, a car type. So because I was in the branding department, we did not have a working budget we did not have any measurable kpis that we could account for because branding is about perception um so we had to be creative
0: so how do you know how much money is is in the bank for you to spend in the no
1: for, for example the acquisition teams marketing acquisition marketing engagement and and retention they had their own uh, budgets but for the branding department the branding function specifically we were told to work without a budget and that's fine it makes sense for a startup because you don't want to put in money into something that you you know is not gonna give you a return. And when with branding, it's you know can go either way.
0: So you had access to funding, which was pretty much limitless.
1: We had funding as a, as the startup, but we as the branding function, like in my department, what I did, I did not utilize budget. Okay, I worked without
2: a budget. Got it.
1: It was around exam times and. Um, I was managing social media at that time and we had listening tools where we would monitor the sentiments of the public at any given moment. And a lot of people, kids were complaining about how difficult their their exams are going to be and how hard it is to study and we were like, "Oh, let's do something fun for the kids." So, I called up Matam uh, al-Romancia.
0: One of my favorites. They're really good. It's so, The local goat over rice that we just love in Saudi. So
1: good, Um, and I asked them, "Do you guys want to do a campaign with us?" They were like, "Sure." I was like, "Okay, we need um, this much, this amount of free meals." They're like, "You got it." Um, And we did a campaign where we I sent out a poll, and we had like options. And then there'd be a follow-up with Love it. It's just, you know, things that are fun and stupid. I would say stupid in a good way. You know, it's stupid, but it's fun. And it makes sense because we're talking to the younger generations at It It's
0: pretty creative because the question was, what are you, what puts you under most pressure today? Yes. And one of their famous style of cooking is, is meat leveling. under pressure. Yes. So you, you, you played on, on the, uh, Word play. the double, double meat. And
1: we do that sort of thing all the time. I did something similar with Maestro Pizza. Um,
0: Who kind of disappeared, by the way.
1: I think that what happened with Maestro actually was that they were able to penetrate the market Very well.
0: Like a flash. They came in in a flash. And
1: they had a very smart strategy. At that time, you could buy a pizza from Maestro for, I think, 25 riyals or 30 riyals or less. And another pizza joint, you would get it for 60 riyals. So they really disrupted the pizza market in Saudi Arabia. And as a result, all the international pizza chains had to come.
0: Adjust? Adjust. For me, old is gold. I mean, I remember celebrating my birthday at six years old, Pizza Hut in Tahlia. All my cousins.
1: Yeah. Pizza Hut is, you know, the the OG. The OG. The OG.
0: Insert ad. Really, no, like I remember like back in the day. You and know, that my brand. mother
1: tells me the same thing, that they used to go to Pizza Hut and it was such a luxury to go to Pizza Hut.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Mem- yeah. Real memory lane that. <laughs> They've, uh, but honestly, when you, obviously there's so many brands that came, but the OG, as you say.
1: The OG is Pizza is, Hut.
0: Is Pizza it Hut. Is. I mean, it's iconic. It
1: is. It really is, honestly. I,
0: t- I punched in old Pizza Hut logo because I just want to see, especially when I started interacting with the brand, when I, when I, when I got to know them and you know they became sponsors of the show. I'm like, man, Pizza Hut is in my DNA. So I go on Google and write old Pizza Hut logo. And when I saw it, Alia, I was like, it took me back to my childhood. I, have
1: to see it. I don't know what it looks like.
0: Oh my God. Yeah, so sure. you have it in a folder here. I'll put it on the screen as well.
1: You know I I don't like the trend of brands all starting to look the same. I miss the, round, the traditional yes. Yeah, I miss the traditional brand identities. Are you ready? Uniqueness. I, I don't think you're ready.
2: I am ready. Oh my god, Do that brings that? back memories. Do you remember
0: that? And the new one, I mean Sorry, I'm just more of a nostalgic guy. I prefer the old one.
1: Yeah, I prefer the old one you too. Know, yeah, like
0: I do. In almost all logos. I Nothing mean, against you guys, Pizza Hut. I'm just a nostalgic guy. I, I love, you bring know, that it back, 80s. Pizza night. Hut.
2: This thing falls one more time. Yeah, bring it bring it back, Pizza Hut.
1: <laughs> how um, do we
0: get to Pizza? Oh yeah, you were talking about uh, stuff you guys did with Maestro.
1: Pizza. Do you know how they say all roads lead to room?
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> all roads lead to
0: where you can get some uh, uh pizza in Rome. <laughs> yeah. You know what's funny speaking of marketing and 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 how things work in some places and don't in others. Starbucks never worked in Italy.
1: I think they opened and they failed, failed. miserably. Yeah. yeah, they failed miserably. It,
0: it it won't take you a second to notice how the coffee culture works in Italy. It's on the go. On the go. Yeah, it's gas station or in the center of Milan.
1: You know last summer why is that? My friend, my friend and I were traveling through Europe. We, rent, we rented a car and we were driving through Europe. We, we drove from Switzerland to the south of France and then back to Switzerland through Italy. And you know, the Italian gas stations are the best gas stations I've ever been to in my life.
2: The, tell, tell me why, because I have a story as well. The coffee. Coffee. The pizza. The focaccia. The produce.
1: The produce. Yes. They have fresh produce. Fresh there. produce. In the gas station in the middle of, of a highway. In yeah. the middle yeah. of nowhere.
0: A, a year ago, me going from Florence to Milan, I had the same mm. interaction that you
1: It's amazing.
2: Yeah. I, I wish we could bring them here to South. That um, pretty much. I left Kirim after the
1: acquisition. And... The Uber. The startup world in Saudi is very small. And the other side of the startup world is the VCs. The reason startups can exist are venture capital. So I thought, naturally, that's my next step. And I was contacted by... Aramco Ventures, uh, the venture capital arm of Saudi Aramco. Uh, They had offices. They still have offices internationally. So I'm sure a lot of people have heard of WARD. Aramco Ventures is the international version of WARD. Okay. Um, And... At that time, they were not called Aramco Ventures. They were called Saudi Aramco Energy Ventures. And I was brought on to rebrand their identity, uh, launch the brand of their $1 billion new diversification fund. So I thought that this is, you know, the opportunity of a lifetime. Mm -hmm. I was 27 years old and given the opportunity to launch a $1 billion fund and launch the brand identity of a one billion dollar fund for Aramco. Are you
2: joking?
0: Very true.
1: And then when I got the opportunity at Aramco Ventures, I was twenty seven years old. I was leading the marketing and, and, and PR function for a
2: one and a half billion dollar fund, and I was um, I was I
1: was lost. Because my entire life, I was working towards this moment.
0: It takes a lot of courage to admit that or for someone to say, I was lost.
1: Because I did not think beyond that. I I was working towards it. And then when I got to it, I was confronted that I don't know what I'm supposed to do next. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. And um, it, it was also compounded by
2: um Some things that I was going through in my personal life. I think that the most important
1: decision a person will ever make, decision that will really determine their life trajectory, is who they decide to marry. And at that time I was engaged and I was deciding whether or not to break off my engagement, decided to end my engagement.
2: But following that, I, following that decision,
1: I really was confused about what my life is supposed to look like. In my soul, I felt peace. I did not feel that I made the wrong decision, but at the same time, my entire life, I was told that in life you have milestones. You go to school, graduate, go to university, graduate, you get a job, you get married, you start a family. And obviously everyone wants that. You know, everyone wants to start a family, but I think it's, it's very important to choose the right person to start that family with. And Everything. It's everything.
0: It's, it's life or death.
1: I totally agree.
0: Some of the happiest people I know happen to just have an amazing relationship with their wife. Some yeah. of the unhappiest people I know have a miserable experience with their spouse or are getting over or going through a divorce. What does uh, that tell you?
1: And that and that person is the person that you're going to raise your children. Correct. So. You have to choose that person very
2: carefully. Very carefully. Um,
0: two people to agree on something yeah. is becoming rarer by the day. Yeah.
2: yeah.
0: Now, if a waiter came up to us and said, okay, uh, you guys can have lunch, but you guys have to order the same dish. It, it might take us an hour for us to, I'll, I'll say, you know, I'd like to pasta." No, Mo, can, how about we split a burger? I don't want a burger. Yeah. How about chicken? I'm allergic to chicken. Uh, can you do a salad? Nope, I don't do, like, two people to agree on one thing. It's harder than you think and we're but talking it, it about takes, a meal. It takes compromise.
1: Aliyah. And and life is you know I think a lot of people look at the word compromise in a negative with a negative connotation but I think compromise is essential for a happy life. But you have to you have to compromise for the right reasons. Yeah.
0: How closely related are compromise and sacrifice?
1: I don't think they're related at all.
0: Sacrifice means go without. Yes. Compromise means
1: let's go. Do it my way for a second. I think compromise is accepting that not everything has to go your way. And uh, sometimes it's for the better.
0: To be less stubborn in your ways.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Morona, flexibility. We go, yeah, we're back to flexibility. Flexibility. Kareem. I hear you.
1: So yeah, I was in a very dark place in my life and I was lost. I remember I would go to my best friend's house and I would just look at her and tell her, "Nora, I'm lost. And she would just stare back <laughs> at me and tell me, so am okay. And it gave me some comfort because it made me feel that I'm not alone. And I think what happens with People who go through difficult times is they think that they're the only people who are experiencing something like that. Um,
0: I took a lot of comfort in my uncle. One of my uncles once telling me, "Nobody knows anything."
1: Nobody knows anything. No, the knows investors what know, know everything. Wow. The
0: uh, you know people who we look up to are our mentors. Our are... had
1: Honestly, no one knows what they're doing.
0: He's like, "Look at me. Nobody knows anything." No. And I was like, "Wow, talk about unlearning something that." i thought was fact because
1: when we're kids we look at our parents and we think they understand everything they must know what life is all about but it it took you know again some unlearning to accept that even my parents are human beings and they can make mistakes and and i should not be afraid to make mistakes too
0: it's funny, life, yeah, as you grow up, you think it's about learning, but it, it, a big part of it is also about unlearning, and that's where therapy comes.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I, um,
1: when I was in that period of my life, I went to, into a very um, deep soul-searching journey, and I've always been um, interested in the philosophies, but I stumbled upon a an account of the life of Marcus Aurelius, who was a Roman emperor. He was one of the greatest leaders of history. And he was also a very famous Stoic philosopher. Stoicism is a, a school of philosophy that was founded in ancient Greece. Um, and the essence of it is that in
2: life, the only thing you should aim for is to live a life of virtue. Beyond that, nothing really is good or bad. Wealth is neither good or bad.
1: Um, achievements are neither good or bad. Accolades are neither good or
2: bad. They're as you perceive them to be. And one of them, major things
1: that stoicism taught me was how to control my emotions how to not allow external things impact my internal feelings and the way you do that is by controlling your thoughts because
2: free of thought and completely peaceful is that is that is that when you land on happiness You know, I don't think life is about being happy. I don't think happiness is the end all be all
1: because happiness is one side of life. When everyone can tell you that sadness is also a very real side of life. And if you only focus on trying to achieve one part and ignore the other part, then the one part that you're trying to achieve Will always be incomplete because how will you know if you're happy if you've never been sad? sad.
0: You will end up learning more. I've learned more from sadness than happiness. Yeah.
1: Difficult times, I think, are are the cocoon that will then turn you into a butterfly.
0: Hard times, yeah, totally. Well put. And and
1: every time I've had growth in my in my personal life, it's been a result of a difficult time that i've been through
0: i actually call hard days or shitty days or let's say hard days i call them growth days
1: i love that yeah i really like that and i'm going and to when start I started realizing it. <laughs> honestly i really love that
0: thank you and when i started labeling it as that it's okay it's a gro- growth day if i miss a flight for example
1: how long have you been doing long that?
0: You? not long enough Maybe a year and a half or two.
1: I really like that concept. Like, Mo,
0: you have Growth only yourself day. to blame. You should have left. You should have le- left earlier. You should have done what you should have done, not to have put yourself in this position. Growth days. This morning, domestic flight. I was in the terminal two hours before departure. <laughs> I grew that day. You grew. <laughs> when we were in Alula, we uh, had some time in between moderating at all, but we had some time to 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 chat. You mentioned something about how the universe has a plan,
2: mm-hmm.
0: how one should surrender to God uh, in an effort to working towards something. And I made a note of that and I, and I remembered it and I put it in the notes for today. Um, can you elabor- elaborate a little bit more on,
2: on that?
1: Well, like I mentioned, I've always had a very positive disposition. I've always been very optimistic. And I think the reason, um, for my optimism is because things have always worked out for me.
2: Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. There's, you know, never in my life did I think that the
1: the bad thing is going to happen. I always tend to view life from a positive lens.
2: And that goes back to my faith in God. And, um,
1: Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, um, ana indadhan abdibi. Or in English, uh, I am how my, my servant sees me. And it's about how your perspective is. You know, life is all about perspective. How you perceive things is how they're going to be. So I never worry. I know that, uh, He has my back.
0: Faith is a beautiful thing.
1: It is. It, it is. Um, it's essential to... And
0: I love that you're touching on it.
1: Yeah, it's essential to, to... to be happy,
2: to live a peaceful life. If you if you contemplate the, the word Islam, it peace. means... Isn't it peace?
1: Islam and testeslim. Testeslim. Surrender. Surrender. Let go. Because at the end of the day, you know, you cannot change anything. We cannot control our lives. We do not control our lives. He controls our lives. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is who I turn to in my difficult times. And, um, and as I grow older, I, I, I tend to
2: turn to him more and more. And I think that's another one of his blessings to me. Um,
1: you know, when I was younger, when we used to read Quran, we'd go through the motions of reading the text, never really contemplated. A few years ago, I actually started to read it as if I was reading a book and understand the lessons for myself. Instead of listening to other people explain them to me, I started to kind of contemplate the meanings and and translate them into something that i would understand and um and that's been one of you know the most grounding things in my life and i i try to do that every day
0: again just hearing you know what kind of relationship you have when well, i hear it from anyone you know how praying makes them feel better they turn to god during does. times of hardship times of happiness uh it it really touches me because
2: i feel the world would be a better place if people were more in touch with their faith and yeah and,
0: and with their god whoever you know it is and really i believing. think
1: you know your relationship with god is a very personal relationship yes but the result of it impacts everyone around you you if you if you treat people with the values that we're taught in our religion, everyone around you will be impacted in a way that you will see how they, they start to uh, they st- Fantastic. I mean, this is a blessing, you know?
0: Yeah. While you were talking, I uh remembered a quote from the Quran, a verse from the Quran. This is in the Quran.
2: And um and I started practicing this a lot recently. And it's really when my life changed. It changed. I've been praying, alhamdulillah, you know, consistently five times a day, all of my adult life. Sec- it's fine. Sec- security. It's fine. Um, but when I
0: started thanking, God for what he has given me he gave me more and in english if you are this is in the quran and when if you are grateful i will surely give you more and if you are ungrateful then surely my punishment is severe and i it says um
2: la in chakartum la yeah yes
0: if you thank, I'll give you more, like what all we have to do is thank, thank you like like how generous
1: Alhamdulillah. exactly
0: that. It's, and
1: if it it truly is you know when people talk about manifestation and all the new age um spirituality type of things you know Allah has been telling that to us for centuries
2: yeah. yeah. And it's really amazing that, you know, it's
1: right there. So, the
0: generosity of, of God and how undemanding.
1: Yeah. You know, obviously, uh,
0: pray your five, sum, Ramadan, Hajj, you know, all the major things that he wants us to do.
1: And it, it's, it's say, right there it's, for us to, to it's see. right there.
0: Don't be ungrateful with what yeah. you have. Purpose. Would you say that losing your purpose or not finding it begin with, uh, how would you classify that? Is that okay or is that a crisis?
1: So when I was in that period of my life where I was very lost, in my mind the reason I was lost was because I had no purpose. I did not know what my purpose was. I did not know where my career was going to go. Because at that point in my mind, I had not planned beyond, you know, being the head of a department. Before I reached that stage, that was my goal. And I reached that stage m- much earlier than I thought I would. And I did not plan beyond that. So I felt like I didn't know what my next step was. I didn't know what my purpose was. and I didn't know who I was and I'd always had a very strong sense of self I always knew who I was but at that point I felt like I lost it I lost touch of who I was and um like I said I went to my friends my family I spoke to people I ca- who I know care about me and I care about them about this and They tried to, you know, give me advice, make me feel better. But at the end of the day, the way I got out of it was through spending time
2: on my own and reflecting deeply, self-reflection. And what I think I realized was that
1: I've been so worried by the idea of finding my purpose, the concept of knowing what my purpose was, that I, I disregarded the fact that I don't need to have one specific purpose. Life can have many meanings and it can be dedicated to many things. There's
0: no need to label it.
1: There's no need to label it. and Pressure. And it doesn't need to be something that is so far off that will take you years to achieve. My purpose can be that I want to go on a trip. I want to travel. Or a purpose could be that I want to have um, dinner with my friends or could be anything. Yeah. Again, it c- brings me back to the point that you give meaning to things and thoughts, not the other way around.
2: How you perceive things is how they are. We're also can fall victim
0: to that by being too much in our heads. Oh
2: yeah. You know? Yeah.
0: And then you wonder why people intoxicate. Mm.
2: I'm
0: not I'm not talking drugs and alcohol, yeah, although I know what yes, you mean.
2: it's uh, I'm talking binge watching mechanism. coping mechanisms.
0: Coping mechanisms. Yeah. Uh, binge watching movies, yeah. uh being unavailable, maybe traveling too much, getting your mind off things. Yeah. Uh, eating,
2: yeah,
0: yep. Stress eating.
1: I think that the one thing that every person has to do is is be okay with the with the difficult things in their mind. Yeah. Confront the difficult things in your mind. Have if, you heard of the stages of grief? Yeah,
0: six. The, the five, six, the six or, or the seven yeah, stages yeah, yeah. of grief. Denial and then acceptance. Yeah.
1: If you. Use coping, and mechan- coping mechanisms. You're blocking that journey <laughs> through the stages of grief and you You're will numbing, never yeah. be able to, to surpass any obstacle in your life. And I think you know, the, the word grief, a lot of people think it's just about grieving people who, are, who have left us. But really grief is an emotion that we feel every day. Yeah.
0: Feel the feelings you hear a therapist tell you.
1: Grief is something that can occur and, and a feeling that can arise without major loss. Yeah. I can feel grief if I am going through a bad day. I can feel grief if I feel lost. I can feel grief if i you know have a a a change of heart, even sometimes even when you make the right decisions, you feel grief true, and you have to go through those emotions to get over them.
0: One, two, three, four, five, six, seven stages of grief.
1: Se-
2: seven stages of up. grief. Yeah. Shock. Yeah.
0: You get the news. Denial. Oh no, that didn't happen. Yeah.
1: And and most people I think get stuck in denial, mm. and that's when coping mechanisms. Wow, that's
0: so true. That's so true. I, I I remember catching myself in denial about something, yeah. many things, yeah. for years. Yeah. No mo, you are not being honest with yourself. Yeah. You know.
1: And and it takes courage to confront yourself and say that. It Takes courage to tell yourself you're not being honest with yourself.
0: Yeah, and we are the easiest people to lie to. You, the easiest person yeah. to lie to is yourself. Yeah. Uh, anger comes after denial. Yeah. I think you get angry when you realize you were in denial.
1: Yeah, I think you get angry when you realize you were in denial, and when you realize that you went through that situation. I think a lot of us feel like. It's not fair. Why do I have to go through something like that? And I think anger arises from there.
0: Bargaining. Almost like self-justification. Self, yeah, Yeah. justifying or bargaining with yourself. Depression, acceptance and hope, and then processing the grief. Yeah. So you want to get to processing it as quickly as possible.
1: I've become better and better at it as I go on. And I think... uh, that turning point in my life where I went through something very difficult is the reason that I was able to build that um, muscle in, my, in myself where I can understand that if I'm going through something, all right, sit with myself
2: and I reflect, process it, and I can move on very easily now from things. Yeah.
0: What's a lesson that you feel many of us can learn from history?
2: or not enough of us are learning from an event that took place in history. When I was 19, I read a book.
1: The book was called Someone Knows My Name by an author named Lawrence Hill. And it's a fictional novel but it's based on real-life events. And it tells the story of a young West African girl in the 1700s who was kidnapped by slave traders and
2: sold into the transatlantic slave trade. It's not a,
1: it's by no means a light read. So I would recommend it cautiously.
2: Okay. But it was the first time in my life that I had
1: been confronted with the brutality of humanity historically.
2: Wow. Elaborate, please.
1: I'd always been interested in history. I've, uh, I've read about, you know, different ancient civilizations and I used to love, you know, the Discovery Channel growing up. And... But I never, I never was forced to look at the dark side of human history before. And this book, it takes you through her life in her village. She was Muslim and her father was um, an imam. And, um, he used to teach her Quran and, and then she was kidnapped into the slave trade and sold. She went through a three month long journey walking from the inland to the coast. And then it, it's, you know, it's really a harrowing, harrowing story. And I don't want to go to, into the details too much because it's, it's quite gruesome. But I think, um, it was a, it was a turning point in my life. Where I became quite obsessed with the topic of the slave trade and, and the history of slavery. And for almost a year, it was the only topic I would research in my free really? time. I would get my hands on every book, every documentary. Um, I went to the US with my family on a vacation that summer and I went to an African American history museum and I, I saw a replica of the slave cabins that they had. Mm.
2: And, you know, I had so many questions and I just needed to answer them. But the one question I couldn't reconcile was
1: this is something that went on for centuries. People were torn from their homelands and sold as cargo and shipped
2: as cargo, human beings. I couldn't reconcile with how this went on for so long. And it was accepted. And it was accepted. You know, my, um, my grandmother, my father's mother, is um,
1: from Afghanistan. But before she was born, her family were exiled. Um, her fam, she comes from, um, the, the Durrani family, the Afghan royal family. And, um, her family was exiled during the Anglo-Afghan wars to India and put under siege in the British Empire. So she was born in India. And when she was, Three or four years old. Her father, my great grandfather, was assassinated, and she was
2: orphaned. Wow. And I was not expecting that. And um, her uncle was um,
1: was given political asylum in Saudi Arabia, so she came to live with her uncle in Medina. And I've always been um, very fascinated with my Afghan heritage and I I dream of one day visiting and seeing the mountain ranges and experiencing that part
2: of my history, but year by year it, it seems that it's less likely.
1: Afghanistan is a country that has been in a vicious cycle for centuries, since the Anglo-Afghan War, to the Soviet-Afghan wars, to the American invasion of Afghanistan.:
2: To now, now to the a situation
1: yeah. where this week
2: Afghani, women and girls have been banned. From pursuing their education. This week. That's a step back. They're turned away from their universities at gunpoint. Wow. I'm sure future generations will look back and think how did this happen for so long? Yeah. How did we allow it? History is full of lessons. But the question is, what we learn from them or not. And
1: the thing about history is, if you don't learn from
2: history, you'll end up repeating it. It's all about uh, it's all about studying the past, studying to to,
0: to see the future. Yeah. My father always told. Um, there's a great podcast called Revisionist History by Malcolm Gladwell. I know
1: that. Yeah, I know that, yeah. podcast.
0: that. That touches on, yeah, moments in history. Yeah.
1: And, and it, it kind of shows you, um, history through a different lens. I love it. Yeah.
0: by I mean, the genius in, in Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah. Some of the books that he's written, Outliers, uh, tipping point.
1: Yeah. I think all of his books, are, what I like about Malcolm Gladwell is he always takes you through the story in a very unconventional manner. Yeah. And it's always engaging and interesting. And it
2: yeah.
0: Um, okay, some short form questions here.
2: I think it's uh, raining.
0: Is it is it? Yeah. Great. <laughs> um, what's something that has improved your life so
2: much that you wish you have started it earlier? Hmm. Um.
1: I stopped taking things personally. I think when you stop taking things personally, nothing really can. Get under your skin. No. Other than that, I've been sugar-free for three years, and I really recommend it.
0: What an answer. <laughs> Bravo. How's that change your life?
1: It, uh, You know, I used to go to the gym every day. Now I have to go like two, three times a week.
0: Because there's less to burn. Less to burn, <laughs> exactly. That's amazing.
1: Yeah, it really, you know, beginning it was hard because I love candy. Uh, my friends and I, we have uh, Diwaniya. <laughs> where every day after work we go hang out we have like a projector up my friend my friend Nora's house. there's a projector up and um, we you know just chill and um, there was a station a candy station at Diwania. and i had to train my mind to stop going there <laughs> every time i felt like it because candy really was my weakness then one day um i decided i'm gonna cut sugar and it was hard for two months, but then i I stopped craving it it's fine now.
0: it's It's always the first month or two, right yeah, it's like when when smokers yeah. quit smoking, it's that first month if you get over it you're you're good yeah it's funny, same thing addiction it's is a, a, a,
1: addiction is a chemical in the brain it's a chemical a in triggered.
2: the brain yeah. yeah Good for you i think What have you good? Well, probably
0: answers the same one. What have you been good at saying no to?
2: I'm really bad at
1: saying no. I don't know how to say no.
2: Except no to candy.
1: Yeah, but that was saying no to myself. I okay. think, yeah, maybe candy, but um, yeah, other than that, uh, I'm really bad. I need to get better at saying no. It's raining now. It's uh, I don't mind it, actually. It's not bad. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Is the equipment fine?
0: Everything's fine. Okay. In a nutshell, ideal day
2: for you.
1: Ideal day for me is a day where I spend time with the people I care about away from my phone.
2: Can you do
0: that? Can you go a day without your phone?
1: Oh, yeah, I do that all the time.
0: How healthy is that for people?
1: Um, I-, I feel like if I'm around the people I care about on my phone, it doesn't matter because who am I going to
0: you
2: know, care about I yeah. got my phone for?
0: Yeah, I think the rudest thing and something that is actually prevalent in in many restaurants in in our region but especially with our people is that they'll be at a at a at a restaurant together and instead of talking to each other they yeah. will be on their phones
1: yeah i don't like that, that no it's just uh, i don't have an issue with my phone I, I don't have an attachment to you know checking on my phone i think i've uh, i think it's pretty healthy and i think this rain is really coming in.
0: worse fear
2: i don't have fears what makes you feel most alive um thinking about that, <laughs> the irony of it. The... it really does yeah it really does yeah yeah,
1: yeah. I it's think crazy about how short of day. a you, you
0: you do huh i do think That's, about death every day i wish i wish you brought this up before it was raining and we don't have to rush through it because <laughs> that really is eye opening that's a hell of a point you just said. Any particular reason why?
1: Uh, the Stoics believe that the precondition to life is death. Like a yin and yang, you cannot have life without death. And death is inevitable. No one will ever escape death. Nope. No one ever has. Death and taxes. Death and taxes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Taxes, maybe some people can get away with some offshore accounts. Uh, but...
2: That's true. It's true. Or <laughs> death, it's coming. It's coming.
1: Death is, death is complicated. Yeah. Um, and I, I actually started thinking about death a few years ago, and now it's a constant thought in my mind. Really? Every day I contemplate death
2: and I welcome death. Are you prepared? It doesn't matter. Does it scare you?
1: No. It doesn't matter because it's not in my hands. It doesn't scare me because it's not in my hands. Let go
0: of what you can't control. Yeah.
1: What I can do is I can make the most of my life. Beyond that, I have no control.
2: How do you manage stress?
1: I think through, um, you know, I I, I don't really tend to get that stressed. I think I'm a very easygoing person in general. Um, I have a a happy disposition, optimistic view on life, and I don't take things personally. Good. So when you put those three things in a line, any situation that comes at you, you can um, rationalize it. So I, I rationalize whatever I'm going through and I try to understand my own emotions. Understand that usually being stressed about something you can't control will only make it worse. So,
0: and reduce the quality of your life.
1: And reduce the quality. And you know, stress creates, um, it induces cortisol, which is the stress hormone. And um, uh, cortisol uh, can cause cancer cells. Wow. So if you stress, and you share this a lot, sometimes people who go through difficult times find out that they have cancer. It's from the stress. Yeah. You go
0: or when someone who's been married, a couple that have been married together 50, 60 years, something crazy. And when one dies a year later, yeah, or like less the k- second Queen one would out of sadness. Like
1: Queen Elizabeth.
0: Like Queen Elizabeth, yeah. Yeah, it's a good example. Yeah. If you can go back to your 12-year-old self and tell her something, what would that be? before it pisses
2: on us.
1: Can I, can I use a quote? Of course you can. So Do whatever you want. Uh, Virgil Abloh, the, the designer, was asked the same question. And he said that the thing that he would tell a younger version of himself was that the struggle is the point. <laughs> and I would give myself that same advice.
2: Amazing. The growth days.
1: Growth days.
0: Thanks, Alia. Amazing. Thank you, I really love that is there really something that you it. want to put in before we for the storm
2: for the storm
0: lays company. lays its uh
2: yeah i think we're good yeah you yeah. sure yeah
0: i enjoyed that i, I mean, really did. did too it's fantastic thank you thank you so much for thank you the for opportunity. having me thank you for opening such an up. honor yeah it was uh it was great and um keep uh keep doing what you're doing masha'Allah first you. female franchise manager at Pepsi. at
1: Yes, we didn't really touch up on my we, current role. Yeah, we didn't.
0: <laughs> actually, perfect, they were bringing it up now.
1: So, um, yeah, once I I, I I got out of that slump that I was in, COVID was easing up. Okay. And I decided that I need a challenge. And the type of person who I, I cannot function in in the comfort zone. You know how people tell you to leave your comfort zone? I cannot be in the comfort, comfort zone or yeah. I'll be depressed.
2: Yeah.
1: And um, I decided that I, I need something new because I've, in my profession at, um, at Kareem and at Aramco Ventures, I wasn't really learning anything. I'd become, you know, not the master of my trade, but I, I knew everything that I needed to know in that specific domain at that time. And I did not feel challenged. So I, I put it out
2: into the universe that I'm open to change. I, I I put it up to him, to God. Yeah.
1: And I I wasn't really actively applying or anything, um, but uh, in October 2021, a marketing publication selected me for um, their edition of the top ten saudi female marketeers to look out for
2: and you were on that list
1: i was on the list fantastic and by grace of god the offers started rolling in okay. i i was contacted by so many entities and i was able to pick yeah and that's a that's a really it's a r- real privilege it honestly is.
0: yeah it's <laughs> it's, a, it's a rare thing for us to have choice and yeah alhamdulillah you did
1: And I got offers, you know, from other tech companies, from other um, startups, but an offer that really piqued my interest was from, ironically, one of the biggest corporations in the world, PepsiCo. Um, PepsiCo were moving their regional offices from the UAE to Saudi Arabia in Riyadh, and they asked me to join as the first female Saudi franchise manager. And a lot of people might not be familiar because I wasn't familiar either with what that role entailed, but a, the, the PepsiCo business is a franchise operated business. So the operations are owned by franchisees and PepsiCo retains the trademark and, and, and the concentrate that's sold to the franchisees. Um, and it's something that I, um, had no experience in. You know, my background was strictly marketing and and communications. And PepsiCo were offering me a role where I would be exposed to and managing a business end-to-end. Because in franchise, you work with the marketing departments, you work with sales, you work with legal, you work with finance, you work with every department. And you act basically as a GM for for the cluster or for the region. Um, You have to have that GM view and look at the business from end-to-end. And I thought, well, that's exciting. I'll learn a lot. And the reason I took it was because of the exposure that I would get to different things uh, in a business. And where better to do it than a Fortune 500 company? Yeah,
2: chose the right one. Excellent. (laughs) Fantastic. Thank you for sparing
0: time. Um, Bless of luck, honestly, going forward. I think we're going to hear a lot of you. Thank you. Uh, You're still very, very young. And um, you're an excellent moderator. <laughs> okay. and so are you. Thank you. I'm just learning as but I that's, go. Uh, you
1: know, without being said, Yani,
0: yeah, I really appreciate that. Honest, coming from you, I really, really appreciate it. And I hope we get a chance to to sit down again. Uh, Inshallah, In the coming years.
1: I, 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 yani, it'd be my honor. Yeah,
0: in the studio next time.
1: It'd be my honor.
2: Wallahi.
0: Thank you so much. Thank Abhi. you. All the best.
2: You too. Thanks. All right. We How'd just Dodge the rain. Yeah. Great.